This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Thanks for joining us on the podcast once again today. Greg Snow joins us uh, via the telephone as these Tuesdays can be quite busy uh, for Greg. Of course, usually we talk with uh, him on Mondays, but the holiday yesterday, so we pushed it back a day to today. At some point, these Tuesdays will be filled by Alan Horton once again as the uh, Timberwolves crank their season up, but that's a little bit off yet. And I know just mentioning the Timberwolves, Greg gets pretty fired up about that right away. I, I know, but there's but there's other stories that are that are a little bigger right now. The oh. Timberwolves are in the future. Of course, it's been kind of fun seeing Anthony Edwards play so well for Team USA in the FIBA, but uh, I digress. Uh, the end of the golf season is nigh. Uh, your golf course there, Eagle Creek, is in terrific shape. I played that yesterday, had a good time, and, and uh, you know, I, I, these warm temps means the season gets stretched out a little bit for us. I just had a guy in there yesterday, Todd, that said, uh, he goes, well, uh, you know, we, we still got more season because of this now, and is exactly what you were talking about. Of, uh, he viewed it that way because he goes, you never know what you're going to get this time. I think it was, it can be cold and rainy, and it can be 95 as it was. But, yeah, I've always said this. When it's not rainy, it's always playable. Some people view it too hot, but at least it's playable. Yeah, uh, Chad's done a great job. Of course, in phenomenal shape. Uh, we're ecstatic, and uh, we still feel like we've got a good month and a half. Um, obviously well documented that we, we aerate the greens in the middle of September, yep. but, uh, but even after that, there's still hopefully will be some more golf. I know, uh, you have that temperature rule, I think, right? Don't, don't you, it's gotta be above your age. Yeah, it kind of is. And that's getting warmer all the time, you know? So well, unless, right, unless I'm playing in some sort of an event, I might venture into golf in the fifties for temps wise. Other than that, it's gonna be pretty close to 60 for me. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty um, a pretty cool rule. I don't have that rule. I'll play a thirty-eight. <laughs> right. I, I don't. I don't mind. I'll just do it because again, I'm I'm the guy that says, "Wait, we're gonna have snow soon." I don't care if I got to play in three sweatshirts or yeah. whatever. I just want to play. Yeah. And and of course, for me, as you know, kind of the colder it is, the less busy it is. Uh, that's so, true. Therefore, it gives me an opportunity to kind of get out there. So all perspective, right? That's right. Depending that's... on where you're at in your life and what you're doing and how you're how you're looking at the game, but that's why we love it. That's right. For all ages, Todd. Hey, that's you, the beauty of the sport. You know, I had you on last week, and we didn't really talk about the club tournament that you hosted uh, uh, the, that weekend. Uh, so what, tell us who wound up being the club champ there. I did talk about it on well, the radio, Matt, but. Yeah, Matt Gorns defended his title. Yeah, we didn't have a chance to talk about it. Uh, first time I've ever run a club championship that had a match play. Yeah. Uh, we've been stroke play at Olivia for a lot of years, and at Rutgers we didn't have one. We were a resort course that didn't have a lot of, a lot of member play. Uh-huh. And so my first ever match play uh, deal, and the guys just love it. Um, and I love it, too, because I think it gives, yeah, and you know, Todd, we have a lot of very good golfers at yep. our club. Yep. It gives them a chance, you know, in 18 holes to maybe maybe beat a, a Matt Gorns, who in my mind was playing the best golf of any of them all year. Uh, Andy's come on late with some good rounds of golf, but he, um, he finished uh, third. He lost to Jim Anderson, who's also been playing some great golf all year. Uh, and Jim uh, Jim lost in the finals to Matt Gorns, and then on the senior side we had a little bit of an upset. Howie Swift, yeah, um, he he defeated uh, Mike Sledy, and Mike was the defending champion there. And 
Um, Mike is a, a guy who plays late at night, so none of the guys really get to see him because he still works. And yeah. uh, So he just goes out and plays a few holes, and they don't really get a chance to play with him much. And so, you know, people really didn't know his game and how good he is and how well he plays. But yeah. uh, Howie was playing great all week. Uh, he had to, he got a bye his first round and then had to win three matches to get there. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of fun. That is cool. You know, I, I was a member at Eagle Creek for, for many years, and, and I really enjoyed the match play uh, club tournament. It's a, it's a real test. I mean, it's a full weekend in order to win. Uh, you know, you got to win four matches that are 18-hole matches. Now, oftentimes, especially if you're a Matt Gorens or an Andy Jacobson, you're not playing 18, but you're usually playing at least 14 or 15, and even that is a blowout. It often goes to the 16th hole or later, so you're getting in a lot of golf. It really is a test. There's a little endurance test in there as well. It is. Uh, again, a lot of club championships are like at Olivia, it was 18 and 18, so 36 holes for the guys. This can be you know, this can be up to 72 holes. I mean, that's maximum that you'd probably play. But unless you played extra innings, yeah, you know, I, I yeah. call it extra innings just to have some fun with it. But right. so unless you go extra holes, um, you know, and we had a few of those matches too where they went some extra holes and people had fun with it. But uh, Andy Jacobson was the story of the weekend. On the first day, he played twenty-three holes. Wow! And won two matches. Yeah. So he was he was not only winning. He was destroying his opponent. Yeah. And, I, uh, I've told you my Andy Jacobson story, haven't I, versus me in the uh, club tournament? No. So about uh, probably, probably 10 years ago, uh, I made the champ flight. I actually was the sixth seed because I shot a 76 in the qualifying round. So I wound up, and, and I knew I was overseeded. Uh, so I thought, well, maybe I'll get it. And I played Howie uh, Swift in the first uh, round, and that was when he was still playing club championship, not senior uh, championship. So, gosh, maybe it was more than 10 years ago. I'm getting older, you know, the years start to bleed together. And uh, so I, I wound up beating Howie in 20 holes. Uh, it took that long. And then I played Andy in the next round, and I was standing on the tee at 11. And I, I snap-hooked my five-wood into the creek, Eagle Creek, on the left. And I picked up my tee, and I shook hands because it was over. <laughs> After I, <laughs> Nine and seven. I, okay. I, I, yeah, I didn't even finish the 11th hole. It was over. He was down there near oh. the green. I'm in the creek. He was up already. So, yeah, I, may, I didn't even finish the 11th hole. That's, that's how quickly he put me to bed. Now, maybe it was because of the, the stress and strain of beating Howie in 20 holes that took it out of me. Or maybe it's just because Andy's that much better than me. I would say that's probably it. Because that was on the same was that on the same day, Todd? It was same right? day, same day. Yep, yeah. yep. That was on the so Saturday. That's a lot of golf. Yeah, you know, even uh, you weren't a young guy then either. No, and Andy was Andy was younger. Yes, you know, at that time, and so uh, yeah, thank yeah, you. Did he make a lot of birdies on you. Uh, I made a lot of bogeys. Uh, okay, Howie and I was a battle of attrition. I think he made a few. I don't really remember hole by hole. I just remember getting steamrolled. Pretty much was it. Uh, <laughs> I think Howie and I were both in the middle eighties. We didn't play really very well but that's the cool thing about match play you're not playing the whole field you're just playing the guy next to you so right. I, I always enjoyed it because unfortunately I still have a penchant for blow-up holes well I can throw my triple out there on the third hole of the of the uh, match and it doesn't matter it's only one hole you throw a triple up in your third hole of a tournament that's stroke play you're behind the eight ball the rest of the day uh, but in match play it's just one hole you move on yeah it's it's a good system. I mean, it's in honor of the U.S. Open in tennis. Well, tennis is all match play, right? Yeah, so yeah. 
In golf, we don't kind of look at it that way. Yeah. There's so much metal play and stroke play events um, that, again, the match play can become a treat. And yeah. we had yeah. some guys that ended up, even in Constellation Round, we took the matches to the full extent. We played it out as far as possible, so some of those guys even got four matches. And um, I think everybody enjoyed it, and they loved this format because you don't do it all year. Right? Yeah. You just yeah. you don't have a lot of chances to do it. So um, I'm glad that they do it that way. I, I know when I walked into the club, I said, all right, you have a stroke play championship and a match play. Which one is your club championship? Yeah. And they kind of looked at me like, oh, well, they both know. Which one are you the club champion? And they're like, oh, the match play. Yeah. Match play. Yeah. You know, and so it was like, okay, thank you. I need to know that stuff because – I don't think a lot of clubs do match play for their for their club championship. I, I don't know where else it might be happening. Uh, you know, I haven't heard of it. I've belonged at a few clubs over the years and know other guys. And, you know, uh, I don't know of any others. So it really is unique, and, and it is a lot of fun. Speaking of match play, we're going to have some great match play to watch uh, coming up here, what, in a couple of weekends. Like the, I think it's the 22nd or the 24th, the Ryder Cup. Uh, over in Rome, uh, Italy. And, you know, everybody talked about Justin Thomas was in for Team USA uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Keegan Bradley was out. That was kind of the controversy. Well, for the European team, apparently there was a lot of pushback on Shane Lowry being named to the team because he, he only has one top 10 uh, this season on the European tour. So they had their own little controversy over there, although he's 11th in Ryder Cup points. But they don't look at their Ryder Cup points uh, quite as critically as they do in the U.S. because often uh, their top players are playing so much of their events over in the U.S. And on the PGA Tour, uh, and maybe those don't count quite as much. But uh, Lowry was still... Uh, you know, 10th in points, or 11th, I should say. So, But they had their own controversy. Hopefully that stirs things up for the Europeans. And there's another guy, Todd. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had won at the same course they're playing the Ryder Cup at. He won earlier this year and was playing well. Adrian Moronk. Yeah, nobody mm-hmm. could believe he was left off. So, yeah, don't think for a second that just our own controversy on our own teams uh, was a problem. Yeah, uh, I was a little shocked. I, I guess I maybe not shocked, but kind of like I, they never mentioned Ian Poulter's name, who is a match played champion for yeah. them. Yeah. Now, granted, I don't even think he's played that well on Live. No. So maybe they looked at that, but I, I thought back on the Justin Thomas pick, and I thought, you know what? This is the right play. Even though he hasn't been playing well, we're trying to win. And him and Jordan Spieth are a great team. They love to play together. It makes sense. I'm sorry, Cam Young. I'm sorry, Keegan Bradley. Um, but that's just the nature of the beast. And once you get a name for yourself, um, and somebody brought this up to me, Todd. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? So, this is what the Europeans have done for years. Yeah. They didn't care about where you stood. Right. They just wanted the guys that were – I mean, I go back to the year at the at the, uh, boy out in uh, Brookline. They didn't play four guys any of the first four matches. They only played them in singles on the last day. They do not care about your feelings. No. They want to win. Yeah. And so so it kind of backfired on them because of the big comeback that we had. But still, they were trying to put up enough points that the singles didn't matter. And um, I, I think the United States pulled a little European magic by picking Justin Thomas. And I know you and I beat it up pretty good on that Monday. But, yeah, yeah. And maybe didn't think he should. But I'm okay with it now that after it's happened. 
I'm, yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think so too. And because of the team aspect. And I was watching a lot of the coverage then on the Golf Channel or what have you, talking about the selection of the team. And they did bring that up, that the Team USA just did exactly what the Europeans have done for years. That's allowed the Europeans to kind of, uh, you know, win a lot more Ryder Cups in recent years than Team USA. And that's put it together as a team, not just look at the numbers and take the highest ranked players. Uh, it, the Europeans have been reaching into the 40s and 50s for Ryder Cup points to grab uh, guys that you referenced uh, just now, Ian Poulter, and sometimes uh, Sergio wasn't that highly ranked in recent Ryder Cups, and they selected him as well. To me, that's the bigger name that was left off their team, was Sergio Garcia, because of John Rahm's uh, uh, relationship with him and how Rahm has lobbied for him publicly uh, for the last couple of months uh, to be on the team, and, and that still didn't happen, and, you know, that's John Rahm. Uh, you would think if anybody would have some pull, he would, but nope, no Sergio Garcia on their squad either. Yeah, I forgot about him, Todd. You're right. That that was a big one. Yeah. And I I didn't hear much. I, I watched off and on some of the broadcasts yesterday, and I, I didn't hear much about that. Uh, I'm sure it was on there, but I, I would have stopped doing what I was doing to listen because I kind of love that stuff of like, okay, how are you going to explain your way around this? Yeah. You know, and how are you going to explain your way around that? And I, I do, I do think that's a really cool part about the Ryder cup. I think Luke Donald was one of those guys himself, Todd, yeah. that was reached for many times. Yep. Um, I mean, Paul Casey was another one that was reached for. I mean, these are guys that, that have done a lot of good things for the European. I mean, obviously because the U S haven't won over there since 1993. Right. So that needs to change. Anybody wants yeah, if anybody wants to do some math, that's uh, I was 18 years old. Yeah, that's a long time ago, some 30 years, that's for sure. So, yeah, yeah. time to win. The U.S. does lead overall 27-14 in Ryder Cups because they dominated for years when it first began. But it's been more the Europeans for the recent you know, decades, uh, as you referenced, the U.S. not winning there since 93. Hopefully that changes in Rome here in a few weeks. Viking season kicks off on Sunday, Greg. How, what's your feeling about the team this year? Are they going to... You know, 13 wins seems to be asking a lot, uh, but, uh, you know, you never know. What do you think? What's your prediction for the Vikings this year? Vegas has said eight and a half. Um, I, I, you know, we had a lot of dramatic wins last year. Is there a chance to duplicate that? I mean, wins out of nowhere, Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis. I mean, just things that just were crazy. I don't know, Todd. I've kind of got us down in the eight-win category. I think Uh-oh. I might have said I think I might have said that on the air with you a while ago, and after after seeing some things and uh, hearing about our defense, I don't think our defense. The only thing that got better was the uh, was the defensive coordinator. Yeah, that's it in my mind. I don't think any other aspect of our defense got better. I, I've looked at it, our line. I still don't know any of the linebackers. Todd, I think it's Hicks and Pace, and I I, I don't even know if they're going to do anything. Yeah. And then somebody said, and I, here I'm interested to hear what you say that this might be our worst defensive line in recent history. Have you heard this as well? Uh, I have, uh, and and that is a concern, certainly. After all, you know, you change the coach, but you still have to have the talent. It's still about the players. As much as we dumped on Ed Donatel for the team's performance last year, in the end, you know, it's it's about the players. Do you have enough guys to make those plays defensively? Clearly the Vikings didn't last year because Ed Donatel has been a defense coordinator for years in the NFL. 
Nowhere else was his name besmirched like it was here in Minnesota. Right. That's because we're always looking for someone else to blame besides the players uh, or the front office and who put that team together. Uh, they're, they're lacking of talent on defense. We'll see how much that hurts them this year. Yeah, I, I just don't see. And again, I've always made this argument that although Cousins played awesome last year, he was the best I've ever seen him. Again, will he be able to duplicate that? And can he carry your team to wins like he did last year? Yeah, He did it one year, so maybe he can do it again. But obviously, when the chips were down and we had a home playoff game, that defense was nowhere to be found, and Cousins couldn't do enough because he did a lot in that game, but he still couldn't do enough to carry us to the W. Yeah, And I, I, just, I just see it as kind of a repeat of that, Todd. And I think there's other teams that have gotten better. Yep. Uh, not the Buccaneers. We're going to win Week One, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but but again, I I don't I don't I mean, thank goodness we're not in the AFC. It just seems like every team is stacked over there. Yeah. So at least maybe we can make a run. But I don't see how we're keeping up with the Eagles. I don't see how we're keeping up with San Fran. Um, I, I just don't see it. But um, maybe I'll be proven wrong. This is like your your mantra when we open. I don't always like my predictions. Sometimes yeah. I hope we're some. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, that's right. Don't like to, you know, waver off of them. Awful, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, sometimes uh, you do hope you're wrong. But you have to give your honest opinion on what's going on. And it's right. like, I hope this is completely off base. But, uh, you know, we talked about it, too, when we were referencing it. I mean, Cousins finished 23rd in QBR last year. So certainly statistics can be misleading. Uh, he had his best season for the Vikings last year because they won, not necessarily because he was always razor sharp. Some of those deficits, he helped put them in uh, with, uh, uh, you know, errant throws uh, earlier in the game. So uh, hopefully that continues. I think he has his best season this year. It's his first time uh, in the same offense in back-to-back seasons, going back to his Washington days when Kyle Shanahan uh, was there as the offensive coordinator. So I think Cousins uh, will be even better this year than he was last year. Well, I hope you're right, Todd, because he's my fantasy football quarterback. I passed and I've on had him. him for years. Yeah. So I always cheer for him to throw those TDs. When the wide receivers get tackled on the one, I get mad. Yeah. I, I could have had oh, him. Yeah. I had the fourth pick in my draft. I took Justin Fields instead. You did? Yeah, I did. I is like that because I, of passing? The I running. A passing touchdown is only three or four in your league, isn't it? It's four, but really, we have a quarterback friendly league. Uh, but he's a oh. running back and quarterback. It's still more running back friendly because he gets six for that and a point for yep. every 10 yards rushing. Uh, so it, it is a QB uh, friendly league, but it's a rushing friendly league. So I always try to find a running quarterback, I guess, and I went with Fields instead. So I, I hope that blows up in my face, too, just like trading Royce <laughs> Lewis did this year for my fantasy baseball team. I traded him for uh, Bo Bichette, and Bichette's been nothing but injured ever since then, and Royce Lewis does nothing but hit grand slams. Like, he yeah. just did th- he's tied the team record for grand slams in a single season with three, and he's done it in his last eight games. So... Uh, why this guy isn't the shortstop and why they felt the need to spend $200 million on a shortstop in front of him will baffle me for years, and I'll never get a decent answer, in particular from our friend uh, Jim Suhan, who thinks the Twins did exactly the right thing. I personally don't, however. You won't get a straight answer. You're right, Todd. No, no. Greg, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Have a great day. Greg Snow joining us on the Todd and Fred's podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender... 
Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.